Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Let's welcome A-team guests that I've missed so much on the air, Penny Milner-Smythe of Ethical Ways. Penny, thank you very much for joining us. Lovely to be with you and the A-teamers again, Patricia. Thank you. So tonight we are starting a discussion about... um, you know, how fraud can affect us all, right? And fraud has been around for a long time. And it's actually seemingly developing because it's going into uh, digital spaces as well. Um, And I'm hoping that this evening our discussion will help us to unpack this unethical and corrupt activity and also maybe prevent it from um, continuing or from being uh, victims of it, Penny. Absolutely, Patricia. Um, You made the link with corruption. And I think in our previous discussions, we've explained that corruption involves using irregular methods to achieve illegitimate gains. We've spoken about abuse of position, bribery, blackmail, extortion. We need to see that fraud is another one of these methods. Uh, And why it's so important that we really have a sound understanding of fraud is that it is the method of corruption we are most likely to fall victim to in our personal and our work lives. Um, I was so struck by this reality last week. I had the opportunity of presenting at the annual conference of the fraud profession in Africa. And I thought that there's so much excellent advice that fraud professionals have to share with us. The chances of you becoming a victim of fraud um, are greater today than ever, as you said, Patricia, because the methods, for example, uh, digital cyber methods being used by fraudsters are multiplying. So it might take a few discussions for us to unpack the topic, but it would be great if we could lay a foundation for that this evening. Mm, Penny, you know, I think from what you have said, it seems that we cannot make an assumption about what we do or do not know when it comes to fraud. So can you take us back to the basics? Is there a clear definition of what fraud is? You know, that's so true. Fraud is a term we're familiar with and may not stop to consider whether we really understand it. Fortunately, Every act of fraud, whether it uses cyber methods or any other method, shares three defining elements. Um, The first of these is that an act of fraud always involves intention. An act of fraud is something deliberate that's done knowingly and on purpose. It's a strategic intervention. Uh, The good news about that is that uh, you can't accidentally defraud someone, (laughs) technically. Mm. But the the defining feature of fraud is that it is a legitimate gain acquired through deception. It is uh, a process that involves misrepresentation or a falsehood that is used to mislead the victim. Um, So I guess to recap... Fraud is an act involving intentional deception for illegitimate gain. Now, Penny, what is the difference between fraud and theft? Because for me, I mean, you've stolen if you are taking something from someone <laughs> with a fraudulent activity. But I'm sure there's a different uh, for since there are definitions well, for everything. 
it is true. Not everyone charged with theft also gets charged with fraud. Um, but I guess that theft is always uh, the outcome of fraud. So here's what's the same. Whether we're talking about theft or fraud, the thief or the fraudster wants something that we have. And in both cases, when they succeed, the result is the same, and that is our life. When someone takes something from us against our will, we often say, as you have, that it's been stolen. Um, but to understand why fraud is such a risk to us, we need to understand the difference between it and, and, and fraud. And it comes down to a simple thing, and that is when something's taken from us by theft, its absence makes it easy to detect that it's been stolen. It's either there or it's not there. When something is taken from us by fraud, we often don't realize that it's been stolen until well after that initial act of fraud. Um, and that makes us very vulnerable. Uh, from what I'm getting, uh, what you're saying is that because we not uh, we may not realize the loss immediately, then losing our assets to fraud involves more risk. Can you explain on that? Sure. Um, because of the deception, uh, a fraudster can actually continuing, continue benefiting from their action without the fraud being detected. Um, they can uh, continue using what they stole initially, for example, information, say, about our bank details, or a loophole they've discovered, say, in our business, to continue stealing from us over time. What this means is that they can evade identification even after the fraud has been detected because the you know, time from the initial uh, theft, for example, of the information through fraud, through deception, can um, be quite a distance from when the problem is discovered. So we've got to appreciate that what a fraudster's goal is, is to act in a way that actually delays our realization that we've suffered a loss, and of course, to delay their identity being revealed for as long as possible. So what this means practically, Patricia, is this. The amount of loss we can suffer through fraud often amounts to far more than can happen through simple theft. Of course, we can lose valuable assets like cars to theft, but the reality is that as a fraud continues over time, the extent and the types of loss can be far more than that uh, associated with the loss of an asset. It's uh, clear that we all want to avoid being deceived. Very, very clear. Um, are there any patterns in how victims are deceived that we can at least recognize to help protect ourselves? The ever-changing and creative ways are being found to deceive people individuals, organizations. Um, but there are three very successful strategies used by fraudsters. And it's important for us to be aware of these strategies. I'm going to talk about the way that fraudsters target our vulnerability, that they misuse our trust, um, and that they even enlist our own cooperation in unwittingly enabling a fraud. Mm. Um, maybe let's start with targeting vulnerability. Obviously, a fraudster wants a good prospect of success, a low likelihood of being found. So they look for targets that they see as vulnerable. 
in a business, it might be a weakness or a loophole in your system. Um, as an individual, it may be that our vulnerability is a need, a desire, or a belief, which leads us to overlook what might be obvious challenges. Um, maybe I, can I give you some examples of targeting vulnerability? Now, Penny, they say that uh, pattern recognition is something that we can develop, right? And that helps us to assess what's happening around us. It sounds like when it comes to fraud, though, there's a lot we can share with the A-teamers to elevate their pattern recognition and their ability to protect themselves. Um, absolutely. Maybe let me just um, mention the issue of targeting vulnerability again. Yes. We know, let's take an individual situation. We need to be especially cognizant and uh, aware of the fact that if we want something badly, we become more vulnerable to fraudsters. Uh, we talk about people who fall victim to romance scams. Uh, let's oh, say yes. Those are quite you're popular. desperate for love. And um, you meet someone online and they say because of uh, lockdown or COVID, they can't meet with us. And we only discover that they don't really love us at the point in which we've paid money towards their urgent medical expenses. Uh, so that would just be targeting our vulnerability for love. So understanding our vulnerabilities is important. Of course, um, vulnerability comes from a strong need for financial resources um, and, and other beliefs. Then there is the fact that people misuse our trust. So we need to understand that while we need to live in a trustworthy manner in the world, when it comes to protecting our information, our finances and our assets, and of course, our hearts, we have to ensure that we are not being deceived. Uh, we must be careful not to attach more credibility to information from one person just because we have an existing relationship with them um, or because they like us. Um, a good example would be when, uh, maybe let me give an example of targeting vulnerability and misusing trust. Your gran has her first ever computer, and someone in her place of worship, who is an IT expert, offers to help her set it up. In the process, he steals all her bank information, her identity number, and continues over a period of time to steal from her. That is an example, not just of the targeting vulnerability, but the misuse of trust. And then the next point is that fraudsters enlist our cooperation. So we have very good examples of where we duped into assisting a fraudster unintentionally. Um, so um, a classic example is what is known in the fraud industry as CEO fraud, where someone pretends uh, to have sent you a WhatsApp or SMS from your finance director or your CEO um, giving you an instruction saying someone is going to come and collect uh, X, Y, Z from you, please give it to them for me the minute they arrive or 
we need to make an urgent payment and they send you the bank account details and you believe it's an instruction from your finance director or CEO. In actual fact, it is a fraudster impersonating somebody else. So I think that one of the most important things we can do in this pattern recognition is to understand our vulnerability, uh, look out for situations where people can be misusing our trust and also monitor um, and respond with care to anything that is unusual. If something is unusual and it involves us parting with information, money or assets, that's the point at which we need to be circumspect. That's the pattern recognition we need. Sure. And then there are also those who would uh, even send uh, messages because they've hacked into someone's phone number and start requesting for money. Those are becoming very popular. So uh, people need to really be uh, looking out for it. Um, Penny, if someone needs to now then uh, report such cases, um, Mm. where do we go? Are the police uh, well equipped to help these? Uh, My understanding, Patricia, is that um, within uh, SAPS, um, in every region, there are um, fraud specialists. And so um, certainly you can uh, definitely go to your local police station and open a case of fraud. And I think that it's important for people to do this, to have confidence that fraud will be taken seriously by the police. It's important that we report fraud when it happens because it can be happening to many other people. Let's not be victims to some invisible uh, criminal and just because we don't know the identity of the person think there's no value in reporting the fraud. Mm. Uh, Well, Penny, as we wrap up our conversation, give us your closing thoughts, please. Well, I think that what is really important is that um, we are all aware of the fact that we are being increasingly targeted by fraudsters. That's particularly true as economic circumstances become more dire, more people become desperate. It means there are more fraudsters in operation, but it also makes us more vulnerable. Equip yourself with information by reading newspapers, uh, reading social media, learning about the latest fraud scams. You can just Google the latest fraud scams and get a lot of information. And finally, in our next conversation, I'd love to talk about how you can actually make a career out of helping to detect and prevent fraud. Oh, that sounds interesting. I can't wait for the next discussion. Thank you so very much, Penny. Always such a great pleasure. But please don't leave without giving us contact details. People want to be in touch with you at Ethical Ways. Absolutely. So our website is ethicalways.co.za and you can Google or search for Ethical Ways Fraud Awareness and learn about the fraud awareness program that we offer to organizations. Excellent. Thank you so very much. Have a great evening.